All right. We, uh, we had a little technical difficulty this week, and so we're recording this uh, for, the, for everybody who missed the, the sermon so that you can stay up to date with where we are in the series. And uh, this, this sermon I'm calling Jesus' Offensive Love Letter, and we're going to be looking at Revelation 3, 14 through 22. This is the letter to the church of Laodicea, and uh, I'm going to pray for us to get started. Uh, Father, even though this is a, a recording, um, I'm staring out into a, an empty room. Uh, this message, I believe, is going to go to people who need to hear it, including myself. And so would you help me to preach to myself now? And uh, would you come in your spirit's power and say the words that you want to say here uh, in this re-recording for all the people that are going to hear it uh, for your purposes, for your glory, for our good, for our growth, uh, for our life, for our health, for our peace, for our joy. And uh, would you do that in Jesus' name? Amen. Okay, so I uh, started the sermon with talking about this condition called CIP, congenital insensitivity to pain. It affects 1 in 125 million people. And most people who have this condition don't live past the age of 25. And the reason is the condition is... Uh, what it says, it's insensitivity to pain, it's inability to feel and experience pain. So you think about all, you know, at first glance you might think, wow, that sounds amazing, but then you think about all the things that uh, pain does for us, that it's actually uh, very healthy and very integral to our lives um, and for our flourishing to be able to experience pain because we know when, when our bodies get too hot or when they get too cold, we need to change the situation. Or when we step on something and it hurts, it, it pricks us or cuts us and we're bleeding and we need to know that we're bleeding and we need to know that we're in a dangerous situation that we need to back away from. And people who experience this, they bite their tongues, they bite their lips um, constantly. They're having all sorts of issues uh, that they, they cannot get the help that they need, they cannot get the relief that they need, they can't get away from it because they cannot feel pain. And we cannot be healthy without pain. And this is also true on a spiritual level. Um, and when we, I, sh- I was going to show a video, that didn't work either. But uh, so I'll just tell you about it and you can look it up later. Um, when we can't feel pain on a spiritual level, when we can't get in touch with the reality of uh, who we are and what we need and what's going on in the world around us, um, we start to fill our lives with really silly stuff. And um, I, I came across this video that my sister sent to me, but it's in Finland, there's a championship, there's a competition called the Hobby Horse Championship. And hobby horses are those little uh, plush, like fur horse heads on a stick that kids ride around. These are adults that are, are riding these things around and everything that you would do in a human horse competition, like race and jump over gates and uh, do prance in tandem with with another person on a horse. All these things these people are doing with these stick horses. And what is maybe the most amazing thing, so you can look it up on YouTube, uh, Finnish Hobby Horse Championships. One of the most amazing things about this is to see when they're giving out the awards, uh, while they're waiting to see if they won, when the winner is announced, she bursts into tears. And it's like, man, this is crazy that you care so much about this. But... Really, we have to stop and recognize on a spiritual level, we are caring so much about things that are equally silly, equally fleeting. And when I can't feel pain, 
I am left to my own devices to be uh, very concerned about winning the next hobby horse championship instead of thinking about things that really matter, instead of getting in touch with what is truly life and that I'm in an unhealthy place and I really need the Lord to bring me back to a healthy place. And so um, in this letter to the Laodicean church and really to all of us, to all the church, uh, Jesus is showing us what spiritual congenital insensitivity to pain or CIP does and what it looks like and how often what we seek and what we ask for, even in prayer, is we're asking for the very thing that will destroy us. Because a lot of times what we're asking for is, would you give me enough money? Would you give me enough uh, power? Would you give me enough relationships? Would you give me enough sex appeal or good looks or whatever it is, likability, uh, humor, fill in the blank, enough skill, so that I will never feel pain, so that people will always want to be with me and I'm always going to be liked, and I'm always going to be taken care of, and I'm always going to be comfortable. And so we're asking for these things all the time. And a lot of the things that we're asking for are not bad in and of themselves, but it is the, is what is our desire for and what we want those things to do for us is really we're kind of asking for our own destruction. We're asking, Lord, would you make us uh, incapable of feeling pain so that we can go through this life carefree? And he's saying, I love you too much to do this. I love you too much to let you go through life uh, independently. And so now I'm going to read our passage, uh, which is the last of the seven letters. And remember, these are within this big uh, pastoral letter and apocalypse that is revelation, the peeling back the curtain, revealing what is there, what is to come, revealing Jesus as he is now, revealing the state of the world on a spiritual level, the way that it is now, also revealing Jesus and what he's going to do in the days to come. Uh, what he's going to do at the end of all things when he returns. Um, this is, these are seven little letters within this one big letter, and all seven of these letters to each of these seven individual congregations were to be read to all seven of the congregations. And, uh, and they're meant to be read to us because this is a letter not just to them, but to all of Jesus' church for all time. And so um, listen closely. Uh, as Jesus says often, those who have ears, let them hear. It says, and to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. Would that you are either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spit you out. And it really, what that word really means is vomit. I will vomit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich. I have prospered. I need nothing not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich, and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne and as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is the word of the Lord to us. Thanks be to God. And so uh, first, 
a little bit about the city of Laodicea that will help make sense of some of these specific references that Jesus is using. Uh, this city, um, and this may feel or sound familiar to those of us who live in Nashville in 2023, uh, was very successful and very independent. First of all, uh, Laodicea was very wealthy. There was so much agriculture, uh, agricultural and commercial prosperity that Laodicea became a major banking center. And uh, there was a devastating earthquake throughout this region in 60 AD, and it was so bad that Rome had to send money to all these places to help them rebuild their city. And Laodicea was one of the only places, maybe the only place, I don't know for sure, that wrote back to Rome and said, you can keep your money because we're going to rebuild ourselves. We don't want any of your help. We're going to be able to say that we rebuilt ourselves from the ruins. Uh, So a lot of pride. Um, This was also a fashion capital of the Roman, uh, uh, the Asian, sort of Roman Republic in Asia. Due to some careful breeding of sheep uh, that yielded a soft, glossy black wool, Uh, This place was a fashion capital because this black wool was highly sought after for very fine clothing. And so uh, you had to look your best when you were walking the streets of Laodicea. And uh, it was also a medical capital. Uh, Very, very famous medical school where very famous physicians uh, taught and worked and researched. uh, And they were known especially for their eye salve uh, that They believed that they had found this concoction that if you rubbed on your eyes, you could be healed of certain kinds of blindness and certain kinds of maladies of the eyes. Um, But a major weakness of the city was that it lacked a water supply. Uh, It it had this big, long miles and miles of aqueducts to get drinkable water into the city. So it was very easily, uh, very susceptible to enemy attack who could at any point in the line of that many miles of aqueduct could just cut off their water supply. And uh, what you need to know, too, about uh, their neighbors to either side, on one side you have Hierapolis, uh, which was known for their medicinal hot springs. So you had hot water there, healing hot water. And then on the other side you had Colossae, the letter to the Colossians written to this, this, uh, the church in this city. And Colossae had plenty of cold, refreshing, clean drinking water. Okay, so now that we know a little bit about Laodicea, we're ready to dive into the letter here. So first, uh, verses 14 and beginning of 15, um, who is writing this letter? Jesus. Jesus, the amen. The word amen means let it be so or or it will be done. Um, So Jesus is the perfect doer of God's perfect will. He is the faithful and true witness. He is saying, when you see me and you see my words and you see my actions, you see my character, my being, you are seeing the God of the universe. And so this Jesus is the one who sees, um, and he is the one who testifies the way that things uh, really are. He is the faithful and true witness. He has witnessed us. He witnesses our hearts. He witnesses our souls. He sees what's going on. Remember, he's standing amongst the lampstands as one who is with his people. So he sees and he knows. And he knows how things really are on earth, and he knows how things really are in heaven. He is the beginning of God's creation. Does that mean that Jesus was created by God? No, it does not. Uh, That word for beginning means that he is the first cause. He is the one through which all other things have been created. He is above and ruling over all things. He is existing before all creation. He is existing superior to all creation. 
And he is, uh, he is talked about as the firstborn of the recreation. So he being raised from the dead, um, when he died on the cross for our sins and God raised him up from the dead to new life, he is the firstborn, so to speak, into the new life of the kingdom of God. And so that's who is writing this letter. So we can trust the one who knows all, the one who sees all, and the one who made us and knows who we are and what we need. And so why is he writing? Um, he is writing to say some very hard things because these people and like us cannot see our true condition. We have spiritual CIP and we cannot feel the pain that would alert us that something is really wrong. We're over here riding our hobby horses trying to win the hobby horse championship and we're, we're not seeing what is really life and what we really need and what we really need to be pursuing. And he's saying, I know you, I see you, I can see below the surface to your motives, to your heart, and your lives are like your city's water problem. Uh, you are not connected to the source. You know, think about Jesus in John 4 saying, um, from the one who believes in me will flow rivers of living water. And he's saying, you are, you are just like this city. You are disconnected from rivers of living water. And, and like your neighbors to one side, they have hot, useful water. It, it, is, it is hot and medicinal and used uh, to soothe pain. Um, and on your neighbors to the other side, they have cold water. And it's also useful because it's refreshing and you can drink it, but you don't have either one. Because the, the, the water that naturally flows closest to you is the runoff from the hot water of Hierapolis. And so when it gets to you, it's just lukewarm and filled with chemicals and it, it makes people vomit. And the way that you are living your life makes me vomit. <laughs> because, um, because why? Uh, because what he says here in verse 17, four. It, it, you, your life makes me sick because of the way that you are living when you say, I am rich, I have prospered, I need nothing. You are, your smug self-sufficiency and independence from me is sickening because it is death. It's, it's like the smell of a corpse. Um, there's a theologian, uh, Gerhard Krodel, who uh, said this, the Laodiceans preferred an individualistic savior of souls who makes no demands but undergirds their quest for self-sufficiency. And in the sermon, I shared, uh, had a conversation with a friend of mine who's not a believer, and we were talking about things, and, and essentially what he articulated to me is what so many people have articulated to me who don't know Jesus but who explore spirituality is um, everybody wants a supernatural being or a supernatural force to help them, to give them advice, to help them level up, to help them be a fully formed person and to live the good life. Nobody wants a supernatural being who has any kind of authority over them. Nobody wants any kind of supernatural authority to say, I actually am the way, the truth, and the life, and I can look at you and tell you you are doing wrong and you need to stop and turn and live differently. Nobody wants that and unless the Lord opens your eyes to see him for who he is and to see you for who you are, which is what Jesus is trying to do in this letter. Um, nobody is going to choose that, but that is the way of life. And so these people are saying, I need nothing. They cannot see that they desperately need Jesus to give them everything in himself. Um, and when we say we need nothing, then what does that say of our need of Jesus? Um, we we, if we don't need anything, then we don't really need Jesus. And so the only thing left 
is to think that either we're doing Jesus a favor by showing up and he really needs me. He needs me to be a good little boy or he needs me to uh, be a representative for him to get him more attention and more popularity and more people in the doors and more money in the offering plate. Or at at the very least, um, it's neutral. And it's like, okay, yeah, I don't really need Jesus, but if he's got something cool or interesting to say or tell me or to experience, then cool, I'll I'll be up for that. Um, but we're left to this place where we can't even access, we can't even have the very thing we were made for, which is union and communion with our Savior because we just are content to live completely independent of Him. And He's saying, you, you don't realize. You say that you're, you're in good shape, but you don't realize. You can't see. You can't see reality that actually you are living in abject soul poverty. Your souls and your spiritual life is so poor it's, it's pitiful, and you're actually not wealthy. You're so poor. You're not so brilliant as to be able to see and help others see. You're blind, and you're not as finely dressed and beautiful and covered in glorious clothing as you think you are. You're actually covered in shame, naked and exposed for all of the, uh, the world to see uh, your sin and shame. And so here we are. This is our condition, and the one who is telling us what our condition is, is also counseling us. He's giving us advice like the great physician that he is. He says in verse 18, I counsel you. Um, We need to remember who we are. We are the ones who can't see things as they really are. And he is the one who can. We are the ones who need help and he is the giver of that help. He is the giver of life. And he is saying, I counsel you to buy from me. You need me, and you need what I have to give you. And um, I'm counseling you to buy from me real wealth, the gold that's refined by fire, the stuff that's going to make it the jump from when we move from the the old heavens and the old earth to the new heavens and the new earth. Remember, uh, later in this book, in Revelation 21.1, John says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And Jesus is saying, I love you too much to let you keep going after the things that are passing away. I counsel you to buy from me. Come and and get from me what you desperately need and what will actually be lasting. The wealth that is lasting, the abundant life that is in me that is lasting. Come and be able to see spiritually, not just physically, but come be able to see things as they are so that you can walk yourself to me and to life and to stay away from the things that bring death. And, and don't be clothed with these, your, your fine black wool uh, turtlenecks that you're so, so hyped over. But uh, come and actually buy covering from me, the covering that I give you when you put your faith in me, then I have covered your sins with my blood. Come and buy those white garments that I've made white by the blood of the lamb that's been shed for you and in your place so that you can really be covered and your shame and your sin will be taken away as far as the east is from the west. It would behoove us to to remember Jesus' words in Luke 5. Those who are well have no need of a physician. If you need nothing, then you're going to stay far away from Jesus. But if you're sick, that is who is close to Jesus. Because we know our need and we move toward the great physician. And he says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So we're moving toward him and he's moving toward us. And the fact that he's even writing this letter is evidence that he is not here to destroy us or condemn us, but he is here because he loves us. 
Uh, Proverbs 3, 11, and 12 says, My son, don't despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord disciplines him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. He's here telling us this hard information, this offensive information, because he loves us and he wants more for us. So be zealous and repent. So be excited that the God of the universe, the one your heart was made for, the one that you're so terrified that you have offended for the last time and he is far away from you and the only thing you can expect from him is condemnation. No, be zealous and excited because that very one is here saying, no, 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 I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to save you because I love you. And I'm here to lead you as your good shepherd into that which is truly life. And he's saying this is the appropriate response is to be excited when you get this letter and to be relieved when you get this letter and then to to repent, which means to turn and leave what you are doing and pick up what he's saying is, is good to do and is really life and leads to more life. Gladly and quickly and without reservation, respond to God's love here. Another way of saying this is what he says later. Behold, I'm standing here knocking. Uh, This is why we start the call with the call to worship every week in corporate worship is he's the one who knocks first. He's the one who calls out. But he says, you have to hear me and open the door. And that's that's an ability that he gives to us uh, when his spirit begins to work in a person is that we can all of a sudden begin to hear him knocking and open the door, to open our lives to him. He's not knocking like a SWAT team. He's knocking like the lover of our souls that he is. Like in Song of Solomon 5.2, he says, open to me, my beloved, my perfect one. This is our Jesus who is knocking and wanting to come into us so that we can have communion, so that he can eat with us and us with him. It's this picture of deep, deep covenant love fellowship. We must open the door to his knocking in order to have life. And when we do, the most amazing thing will happen. He will come into our lives, both individually and as a community, as this body in Midtown West, and fellowship with us, deep, intimate fellowship and friendship. And specifically, he says, the one who comes and clings to me and holds to me, doesn't live independently of me, but comes close and holds on and doesn't let go, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. So it's this picture of us being with Jesus in exactly the way that we were made for to to be experiencing the deepest intimacy because we were made for love, we were made for community, we were made for union with God, but also the deepest power and purpose that you you will sit with the Lord of the universe and help him rule the universe and the cosmos from his throne with him. There is no love greater than that. There is no purpose deeper than that. This is what we are made for. This is what we are called to. And no amount of hobby horse championship competitions are going to fill the void left by us needing to experience these things that we can only get through Jesus. So his call again is to put down the things that we are trying to fill our souls with that are actually garbage. And to hear him calling to us, even when he has offensive things to say, to know that he's he's saying those things to wake us up, to turn us to him so that we can come in and grab hold of him and have that which is truly life in him and be his. This is our Jesus. He is the end of all of our pursuits. He is the end of all of our desires. And I pray that he will reveal himself to us in this way more and more and more. So uh, Midtown West, I love you very much. I'm thankful to be on this journey with you. Amen.